0: It was a rather normal day at the Woolworths department store in Greensboro, North Carolina in February of 1960. Well, normal until four African-American college students decided to walk in and sit at the whites-only lunch counter. When service was refused, the students sat patiently. And despite threats and intimidation, the students sat quietly and waited to be served. The civil rights sit-in was born on this day at this department store in North Carolina. No one participated at a sit-in of this sort without a serious sense of purpose. The instructions were simple, sit quietly and wait to be served. Often participants would be jeered and threatened by local customers. Sometimes they would be pelted with food or ketchup. Angry onlookers tried to provoke fights that never came. And in the event of a physical attack, the student would curl up into a ball on the floor and take the beating. Any violent reprisal would undermine the spirit of the sit in. When the local police came to arrest the demonstrators, another line of students would take the vacated seats. Welcome to Print the Legend a podcast for American U.S. history students where we take a look at the stories that made up America and the stories that America made up. I'm your host, Mr. Nasosi, and I welcome you to part two of our series on the civil rights movement, where we look at the 1960s. Sit-in organizers believe that if the violence were only on the part of the white community, the world would see the righteousness of their cause. Before the end of the school year, over 1,500 black demonstrators were arrested, but their sacrifice brought results, and slowly but surely, restaurants throughout the South began to abandon their policies of segregation. In April 1960, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. sponsored a conference to discuss strategy. Students from the North and the South came together and formed the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, the SNCC. Bolstered by the success of direct action, core activists planned the first freedom ride 1961. To challenge laws mandating segregated interstate transportation, busloads of integrated black and white students rode throughout the South. The first Freedom Riders left Washington, D.C. in May of 1961 en route to New Orleans. Several participants were arrested in bus stations. When the buses reached Anniston, Alabama, an angry mob slashed the tires on one bus and set it aflame. The riders on the other buses were violently attacked, and the Freedom Riders had to complete their journey by plane. New Attorney General Robert Kennedy ordered federal marshals to protect future Freedom Riders. Bowing to political and public pressure, the Interstate Commerce Commission soon banned segregation on interstate travel. Progress was slow indeed, but the wall between the races was gradually being eroded in the 1960s. Civil rights activists in the early 1960s teemed with enthusiasm. The courts and the federal government seemed to be on their side, and the movement was winning the battle for public opinion. Under the protection of, again, federal troops, in 1962, James Meredith became the first African American to attend the University of Mississippi. President Kennedy appealed to the students and to the people of the state to comply peacefully with the law and bring the crisis to an end. Even as he talked, riots were breaking out in Oxford. As sit-ins and freedom rides spread across the South, African-American leaders set a new ambitious goal, a federal law banning racial discrimination in all public accommodations and in employment. In the summer of 1963, President Kennedy indicated he would support such a measure, and thousands marched on Washington to support the bill. Blacks and whites sang, We Shall Overcome, and listened to Martin Luther King deliver his famed I Have a Dream speech. The civil rights movement seemed to be on the brink of triumph. I have a dream. My four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. As equality advocates notched more and more successes, the forces against change grew more and more active as well. Groups such as the Ku Klux Klan increased hate crimes. Earlier, in 1963, the nation watched as the Birmingham Police Force under the direction of Bull Connor unleashed dogs, tear gas and fire hoses on peaceful demonstrators. NAACP leader Medgar Evers was murdered in cold blood that summer in Mississippi as he tried to enter his home. Church burnings and bombings increased. Four young girls were killed in one such bombing in Birmingham as they attended Sunday school lessons. My dear fellow clergyman, while confined here in the Birmingham City Jail, I came across your recent statement calling my present activities unwise and untimely. As the unquestioned leader of the peaceful civil rights movement in the 1960s, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was at the same time one of the most beloved and one of the most hated men of his time. From his involvement in the Montgomery Bus Boycott in 1955 until his untimely death in 1968, King's message of change through peaceful means added to the movement's numbers and gave it moral strength. The legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King is embodied in these two simple words, equality and nonviolence. I cannot sit idly by in Atlanta and not be concerned about what happens in Birmingham. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. We shall, we shall overcome one day. We shall overcome one day. After the passage of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 under President Johnson, King turned his efforts to registering African American voters in the South. In 1965, he led a march in Selma, Alabama, to increase the percentage of African American voters in that state. Again, King was arrested, and again, the marchers faced attacks by the police. More tear gas, more cattle prods, and more billy clubs fell on more peaceful demonstrators. Public opinion weighed predominantly on the side of King and the protesters, and finally, President Johnson ordered the National Guard to protect the demonstrators from attack, and King was able to complete the long march from Selma to the state capital of Montgomery. The action in Selma? led to the passage of the Voting Rights Act of 1965. One day. But it would be early in the morning on April 4th, 1968, when the Civil Rights Movement took a change for the worse. Direct from our newsroom in Washington, in color, This is the CBS Evening News with Walter Cronkite. Good evening. Dr. Martin Luther King, the apostle of nonviolence in the civil rights movement, has been shot to death in Memphis, Tennessee. Police have issued an all-points bulletin for a well-dressed young white man seen running from the scene. Time magazine would name Dr. King as Man of the Year in 1963. In 1964, he won the Nobel Peace Prize and was described as the person in the Western world to have shown us that a struggle can be waged without violence. In 1977, he was posthumously awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom, the highest award any civilian American can earn. And in 1980, his birthday became a national holiday. Dr. King had this to say last night about the situation in Memphis. Maybe I could understand the denial of certain me, was the son of a preacher man. The only who could ever teach me, was the son of a preacher man. You see what? When Malcolm Little was growing up in Lansing, Michigan, he had developed a mistrust for white Americans. Ku Klux Klan terrorists burned his house, and his father was later murdered, an act young Malcolm attributed to local whites. After moving to Harlem, Malcolm turned to crime, and soon he was arrested and sent to jail. But that prison experience was an eye-opening one for the young man and soon made some decisions that altered the course of his life and American history. He began to read and educate himself and influenced by other inmates, he converted to Islam. Upon his release, he was changed with a new identity. And believing his true lineage to be lost when his ancestors were forced into slavery, he took the last name of a variable. X. Wallace Fard founded the Nation of Islam in the 1930s. Christianity was the white man's religion, declared Fard. It was forced on African Americans during the slave experience. Islam was closer to African roots and identity. And members of the Nation of Islam read the Quran, worshipping Allah as their god and accepted Muhammad as their chief prophet. Mixed with the religious tenets of Islam, were black pride and black nationalism. The followers of Fard became known as the black Muslims. And when Fard mysteriously disappeared, Elijah Muhammad became the leader of the movement. The Nation of Islam attracted many followers, especially in prisons, where lost African-Americans mostly looked for guidance. We are African, and we happen to be in America. We're not American. We are people who formerly were Africans who were kidnapped and brought to America. We... Our forefathers weren't the pilgrims. We didn't land on Plymouth Rock. The rock was landed on us. They preached adherence to a strict moral code and reliance on other African Americans. Integration was not the goal. Rather, the Nation of Islam wanted blacks to set up their own schools, churches, and support networks. When Malcolm X made his personal conversion, Elijah Muhammad soon recognized his talents and made him a leading spokesperson for the black Muslims. We invested 310 years of slave labor, 310 years, every day of which your and my mother and father worked for nothing not eight hours a day. There was no union in that day. They worked from sunup until sundown. As Dr. King preached his gospel of peaceful change and integration in the 1950s and early 1960s, Malcolm X delivered a different message. Whites were not to be trusted. He called on African-Americans to be proud of their heritage and to set up strong communities without the help of white Americans. He promised the establishment of a separate state for African Americans in which they could rely on themselves to provide solutions to their own problems. Violence was not the only answer, but violence was justified in self-defense. Blacks should achieve what was rightfully theirs, quote, by any means necessary. End quote. Malcolm X no doubt electrified urban audiences with his eloquent prose and his inspirational style. In 1963, he split with the Nation of Islam and in 64, made a pilgrimage to Mecca. Later that year, he showed signs of softening his stand on violence and even met with Dr. King to exchange a few remarks. It would be the only time those two men would encounter each other. What direction he might have had ultimately on the civil rights movement is lost to a history that can never be written. As Malcolm X led a mass rally in Harlem, In February of 1965, rival black Muslims gunned him down. And although his life was ended, his ideas he preached lived on in the black power movement of the 1960s and 1970s. That concludes our two-part series of the civil rights movement in the United States on Print the Legend, a podcast for U.S. history students where we look at the stories that made up America and the stories that America made up. Coming up on our next episode, The Kennedys and Camelot. It would be one of the closest elections in American history, the election of 1960. Coming into the first televised presidential debate, John F. Kennedy of Massachusetts had spent time relaxing in Florida, while Richard Nixon of California maintained a hectic campaign schedule. As a result, Kennedy appeared tan and relaxed during the debate, while Nixon seemed a bit worn down and shifty. Radio listeners proclaimed Nixon to be the better debater, while those who watched it on television said Kennedy was their choice. Historians would later recall that the debate swayed the vote of 4 million Americans, of which 3.5 million went to Kennedy. That story and the life and legacy of John F. Kennedy next time on Print the Legend. I'm Mr. Nisosi, and I look forward to seeing you right back here then. Thanks for joining us.